Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? So, Cowboy Bebop canceled after only one season. I have some thoughts on that. It is Spider-Man week. Spider-Man comes out this week. Make sure to avoid all those spoilers if you haven't done so already. Talk about a little bit about that. AFI has their top 10 movies of the year. All that and more on this new episode of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. So let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. I am your host, Renee Z, and I am back for another episode. So for those of you have who have been listening, watching on the YouTubes, thank you for tuning in once again. For those of you who are new to the channel, uh, welcome. This is the Talking Talk Pod Showcast, your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast where I talk about movies, everything streaming, uh, video games, collectibles, what have you, and I put my little spin on things. So I appreciate everyone tuning in for this new episode coming in on a Monday. Uh, I know I've been um, previously uploading these episodes on a Friday or weekends, um, but decided to switch things up a little bit and do on a Monday to see what kind of news drops on Mondays, because Mondays are usually very busy, but now that we're approaching the holidays, um, people are trying to push out as much news items as soon as possible before everyone takes a well-deserved break. Uh, for the holidays there but yeah we have a good amount of stuff to talk about so uh, before we get into some things some housekeeping make sure to uh, hit that like button if you haven't done so already if you aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel make sure to do so if you like what you see and spread the word uh, we're trying to grow this channel up and grow the community and we've been doing a very good job at it um, as I previously mentioned before we have broke 500 subscribers which is a huge thing uh, and I appreciate all the love and support that uh, all of you have been giving me here on this channel and this venture of mine um, for audio listeners if you are interested in listening in podcast form you can find this show on a podcast platform of your choice like Apple Podcast, Spotify, what have you. Uh, just look for the Low Key Geek channel there and you'll find episodes of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast along with other episodes that will be coming along very soon. So stay tuned for all of that. Now that we have gotten all that out of the way, let's talk about some stuff. So today in movie news, uh, the Golden Globes. They had their nominations up, and I don't care. Uh, I have made a effort and decision to never talk about the Golden Globes, really, on this channel or any show, uh, unless there was a question asked, and I'll form my opinions on it. But the Golden Globes are a confusing big joke, in my opinion. Um, 
you know, it is all made up of the foreign press and there's been a lot of controversy and uncertainty as to how they come up with their nominations and how they come up with who they decide is the main winner there. Um, I've been told that they can be bribed, uh, heavily promoted, uh, in talks with certain studios or what have you. Um, I've heard so many things, uh, and their categories are right out ridiculous. And if anything has been said, you know, proven in the past, when you have a movie like The Martian that has been nominated in the musical and comedies category and actually wins, well, that kind of shows you where their heads are at and it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I'm pretty sure if you are interested in learning about the Golden Globes and what they decide to nominate for their upcoming awards, you have many outlets to check it out on um, and find out for yourself. I know a lot of people like to use them as a precursor as to what to expect for the Oscars, um, you know, which to a certain extent can be really true. And they have been uh, proven in the past to kind of lead the way as to what we are to expect uh, for the Oscar time and what the nominees and winners are going to be from there. Um, so I will just be keeping an eye out on some of the results there, but as far as I'm concerned, I am not really a huge fan and I don't really follow any of that stuff. Uh, Critics' Choice Award nominations were also announced today. I didn't have a chance to take a look at them, but it just is another reminder that we are at the end of the year and you know, we are knee deep in award season territory. So that's why there's been a ton of movies coming out. As I mentioned at the top, at the little teaser there, the AFI have already announced their top 10 movies of the year, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, and I'll reveal that list in a little bit. Uh, I've been catching up on a lot of movies. That's why one of the reasons why you haven't seen a lot of reviews pop up is because I have had no chance <laughs> to really catch up and do reviews because of all the movies I've been watching every week. I think I watch a total of three movies a week, all new releases. And, you know, I write my notes and all that. And I will get down, uh, get to um, doing these reviews for a lot of these movies. I might have to just combine them all into one episode. Or, I don't know. I'll call it like the review episode or what have you. Uh, but stay tuned for that because there's a lot of good stuff out there and a lot of things, you know, which is un kind of unfortunate because with uh, these awards um, programs and Oscar season and all that, there's a lot of recency bias and a lot of the stuff that is coming up on a lot of these lists and nominations are stuff that has come out in more recent months. So... Anytime someone will ever, you know, pay recognition to a movie or a TV show that came out earlier in the year, I really appreciate that because there was a good amount of stuff that came out throughout the year. But you will always find that the majority of the nominations, the majority of the things um, that are going to be talked about are all things that have come out within the last couple of months. Um and studios know that. That's why they save all of their big um, pushes for Oscar noms and awards, you know, consideration towards the end of the year. You know, and uh, it, it seems to be the trend that we've been seeing for the last 
uh, God knows how many years now. So uh, just something to always keep in mind. And if you're always wondering, well, how come that movie didn't get nominated? That was a great movie that came out in February or that came out in March. Well, it's that's the reason why. So, um, so yeah. So let's talk about this Cowboy Bebop thing. So Netflix released... If you didn't know already, or I'm pretty sure the majority of you do know, um, they took upon themselves to release a live-action version of Cowboy Bebop, the famed anime that came out about 20 years ago or so. Um, A lot of people here in the U.S. became really familiar with Cowboy Bebop um, because of Cartoon Network and Toonami. It was one of those things that showed um, every week, uh, multiple times throughout the year um, and I feel like a lot of people really were exposed to Cowboy Bebop here in the States because of that. Now I myself have been aware of Cowboy Bebop before it came out on Cartoon Network um, and I used to you know see it being played at conventions um, then I took it upon myself to get a bootleg and watch it on my own and it, for the time, it was a pretty well done, um, kind of innovative anime. Um, you had a good mix of um, kind of space opera like themes. You know, you had great music. Everyone will always recognize and remember the intro because that was like the big drawing point for a lot of people how well they did the montage for the opening the music that was involved in it and you know the episodes were like 30 minute episodes and for the most part it was kind of a slow burn you know it's kind of like a noir space adventure um they're all bounty hunters and they always have um tasks they have to do and bounties they have to claim or you know take care of and everything like that but it was a very well written anime and I think a lot of people would say it's one of their favorites, or at least within their top 10, right? Um, in Japan, it was also very well known because it was tied um, to a very prolific um, anime uh, writer. So it had a pretty good following there. But I do feel that the popularity of the series was a lot higher here in the States compared to how it is in Japan. Not saying it wasn't huge in Japan, it was, but I, I do feel like I hear a lot more people and outlets always bring up Cowboy Bebop here in the States as compared to in Japan. So when it was announced that Netflix was going to do a live action series, obviously it got you know mixed reviews as far as you know reactions of that news. Then we finally got to see photos and then we got to see the first trailer and everyone that I've seen was extremely intrigued and they were expecting this to be probably the best live action adaptation of an anime series or movie or what have you that has ever been done because they were able to nail again pay attention to this real closely they were able to nail the intro. Because they know the intro is what drew a lot of people through this anime. And they got the music down. They got the the montage right. Everyone looks like they're playing their roles and parts very well. Right? So, there was a a lot of buzz created because of that. And people were really, really excited. Me included. 
you know, I was looking forward to it. At first, I was very hesitant, you know, very, especially when the photos came out, because it looked like these were photo shoots you would find at an anime convention, you know, a bunch of cosplayers and all that. But when we saw, saw things in motion, it looked really, really interesting. They were able to get the aesthetics right. You know, it looks like the cinematography was all really well done. It looks like you had scenes that were being pulled directly from the anime series and put into live action form. Then the show came out. And I'll be honest with you. I tried to watch it. I watched the first four episodes. I literally found myself falling asleep through most of it. Why? Not because I thought the show was bad. But it was because the show was being too accurate to the original anime. When I say that, it's slow. It is very slow and a lot of things are drawn out. Just like the anime. And instead of 30 minute episodes, each episode was an hour long. And I found myself extremely struggling trying to get through every episode. I stopped at four after four. I promised to go back. And honestly, it's been weeks. I have not gone back yet. I thought that John Cho was phenomenal in the role as Spike. He embodied Spike's personality, his swagger, his confidence, his quirkiness. You know, he felt like he was someone who was really dedicated and loyal to the essence of this character, and it showed really well on screen. Everybody else, I felt like they were be they were caricatures of the characters from the anime. Some of them I felt were like it felt like they were cosplaying and trying to act as the characters. And these are some pretty decent actors in these roles. I mean, they're not as well known as John Cho, but I did feel like they tried their best. But it came across as not goofy, but, you know, not as authentic. And like I said, caricatures of um, the characters that we, you know, got accustomed to from the anime series. And. I wasn't the only one who thought that way. It had a lot of mixed reviews online from viewers who watched it. Now, the first two weeks, it had a huge viewership number, according to what Netflix was mentioning. But it didn't sustain. Week after week, numbers just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. And I think it's because of, you know, bad word of mouth maybe not a lot of appeal to generic audiences because I will say this, I will give it to them that they really stuck to the look and feel of the anime and the, the, the way of the storytelling, you know, the pacing and all that was all identical to the anime. And I think that's what it's um, undoing was as well. That's what caused it to fail. Because you can't, you won't be able to attract generic audiences to watch this show. Because most people are not familiar with watching anime to begin with. And if you want to draw people to a live action version of this show, you're going to have to be a little bit more open to 
broadening the appeal to generic audiences. And I don't think this happened here at all. And the numbers show. Um, and the fact that you already have the the, the ones who are loyal to the series, those who are huge fans, you have them mixed and divided as well. A lot of people are complaining that a lot of story elements were taken out. Um, you know, some certain portrayal of characters were not done accurately. Um, and then you leave the show in a cliffhanger with another reveal of another character that a lot of people were also very divided on. I can't speak to that because I haven't gotten to the end of the, sh of the series yet. But all that said, last week, in a surprise announcement, Netflix announced that the show has been canceled after just the one season. And like I mentioned, they left it on a cliffhanger. So the writer, you know, the actors involved, they were all expecting or hoping at least that this series was going to continue. That's why they kind of held back and they were expecting to do more. Um, so to their surprise, that ain't going to happen. So see you later, Space Cowboy. You're gone for good, apparently. And it's it's unfortunate. It is really, really unfortunate. But um, I was reading a Kotaku article. Um, if you don't know what Kotaku is, it is one of those pop culture websites. Uh, and they do extensive coverage in Japan uh, for Japanese pop culture, like amongst audiences and all that. And they kind of comb through a lot of the comments and reactions from the Japanese crowd uh, or Japanese viewership you know, for this new live action series. And the majority of the reactions were pretty much in alignment with, you know, the cancellation where it's like they thought some of them thought that this should have never been adapted in the first place because live action adaptations of anime just never works. If you are familiar with a lot of the movies that come out in Japan, a lot of them are live action adaptations to popular anime or manga uh, series and a lot of them don't really do that well you know those that do well you know audiences are still pretty divided about it um so the you know you had a lot of people saying that you had a lot of people who are saying that they feel that the uh u.s audience was more appealed to the series because of the intro like i mentioned before so they were even saying that that was the case um some people did say that they appreciated the live action version and they really enjoyed it um and they're upset to see it canceled like that but a lot of other comments i read were people who were just saying that it wasn't a true loyal adaptation at all to the original anime so it seems like a lot of the people who see saw it canceled were not going to be surprised that it was going to be canceled because they just didn't think it was that done that great done that well right um a lot of people who were really loving this show were disappointed obviously right me i'm not surprised uh, but it is unfortunate because again it just shows you how um netflix was trying something you know bold you know and this is not their first foray into trying to adapt you know an anime or manga into live action but they have had failure also in that in those regards as well in the past you know 
don't ever dare mention Death Note to anybody because that live action adaptation of Death Note was horrific. Um, and this just happens to be another one. But I again, it's not because I think the series was done poorly. I think it was just done too accurately. Which is a weird thing to say because you would think if something was done too accurately, then it should have appealed to everybody. But I think it's because of that, it kind of divided the audience, if that makes any sense at all. Um, and, you know, the way Netflix works is that they put a lot of money into these these shows, into these series. And then when it comes to renewals, they look at the overall numbers, subscriptions, and they decide their budget based off of return of investment. They've canceled a lot of popular shows in the past, even if they were doing well amongst audience members, because the number one reason is just it's too expensive. Net, we, yes, Netflix has a lot of money, but they're also in a lot of debt. And they're in a lot of debt because they keep buying properties. They keep buying um, IP and shows and movies from all these studios, hoping to get more subscriptions and more increased viewership and everything like that, hoping that eventually, you know, their returns will show in full force in a couple of years, right? And it's because of that and because of everything else that they're working on now, they have to be very cautious and careful as to what they're going to move forward with, especially when it comes to renewals. They canceled one of my favorite shows last year away, you know, mainly because one, uncertainties because of the thing that's happening in the world right now, and two, budget. It was way too expensive. And if, the, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to film another season, they just went out and straight out canceled it, you know. And when it comes to this, again, mixed reviews, you know, drop in viewership, you know, all that you add it all together. And it's kind of hard for a company like them to move forward with another season. So really unfortunate. I will eventually go back to it and and watch it all the way through. But knowing now that this is going to be the only season we're going to get, it's going to make it very hard for me to want to go back. But I'm curious to hear what you all think. Um, has this been something that you've watched? I know some of you have already watched it. And I've heard from some of you that this is something that you've actually enjoyed. So does this news actually surprise you or what have you? Uh, let me know in the comments what you think. I, I would love to hear your thoughts about the cancellation and the series in general if you had a chance to watch it. So, yeah, do let me know about that. So, it is Spider-Man week this week. Big movie coming out. No Way Home. Um, I'm going to be watching it on Thursday. And then I'll watch, I'm going to plan to watch it again on Friday morning. I was able to secure my tickets with that whole fiasco. Uh, during the, the pre-sale of the tickets there. Um, but as of tonight, so by the time you watch this episode or you listen to this episode, uh, the premiere has already happened. Big, big premiere. And the review embargo is about to lift tonight at uh, around 10 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. So that's like past midnight here on the East Coast. Um or exactly, well, yeah, no, it's past midnight. Um, 
So the only thing I will tell all of you guys is beware of spoilers. If you've done a really great job so far avoiding all the leaks and all the talks on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrammies, um, continue to do so. I would even suggest staying off it until you watch it if you don't want to be spoiled because people are going to be talking about this and even Disney themselves have not been afraid to revealing things that are spoiler filled one day or two days after the fact you know after an episode or a movie has dropped because Hawkeye last week a very very important character was revealed at the end of the episode and I already saw Disney promoting trailers about it the very next day so Beware. I myself tried my best to stay away from all of this stuff. And then last week it happened. I was informed of something through a channel that normally is very good with that stuff. And one of them let something slip. And I was like, F. That sucks, man. And it just sucks in general. You know, where it's like... It really does feel like the Wild West now out there on the social media when it comes to spoilers, especially for Disney properties. Like I said, you already have Disney spoiling stuff a day after a show drops. You know, give it a give it some time. Not everyone has a chance to watch these episodes day of. You know, some people will wait till the weekend, especially now that they're doing this Wednesday release of Hawkeye. Most people will not be able to get to watch it until the weekends because some of them want to watch it with their loved ones, their family, their kids, you know, or some some people are just busy. And they set a schedule for themselves to watch these shows, movies, what have you, over the weekend. You know, so what do you expect us to do? Just not look at social media for the whole week, you know, automatically knowing that maybe you guys are going to spoil something for us you know that's a little bit unfair it's a little bit crazy so i'll just let you guys know be careful um but the reason why i also bring up spider-man is because there was an interesting bit of news that also dropped last week i believe it was tom holland who mentioned this in an interview and tom holland you know he loves to talk but this bit of news or information was actually very very interesting and he said and john watts who is the director of the tom holland spider-man movies he mentioned that the original plan if there was no multiverse stuff happening right now the original plan was to have craven the hunter as the main baddie in spider-man 3. now i read this news and I was bummed. I was like, oh, man. Because I've been wanting Craven to be featured in a Spider-Man movie for a while now. I honestly thought we were going to get him in the Tobey Maguire uh, movies. It just, it just would have felt great to do so. Then when the Andrew Garfield, you know, versions came out. And it felt a little bit more gritty to a certain extent i was like you know what craven would be amazing in the andrew garfield universe 
And then we got Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then that pretty much put the, you know, the death nail into that, that whole series. Now that we have Tom Holland here, Craven was not something I was thinking about. Because, you know, Tom, he's still in high school, and he's still a young kid, you know, and he's still learning the ropes, and he's involved in so many other things. So I thought Craven would play nicer to a more mature Spider-Man. Because if you've read the Craven run in the comic books, it's probably one of the more mature storylines. And that's one of the reasons why I loved it so much. And, you know, it involved a lot of violence. Um, and Craven is a very formidable opponent. Probably one of Spider-Man's toughest. Um, and like I said, the storyline in the Amazing Spider-Man series was really, really well done. If you ever wanted to to catch up on it, you could find a graphic novel now that they have floating around out there, or you could read it online. But um, but that would have been great to see. Now they did say, you know, even John Watts said that he didn't want to talk too much about his ideas about that type of storyline because it may still be used in the future, and we already know that it sounds like Sony and, and Marvel have agreed to do three more collaborations here and it sounds like Tom Holland will be involved in, in these movies. So we could still be getting it, which would be amazing. Um, but also back in May of this year, uh, if any of you remember, Aaron Taylor Johnson was announced to, to be cast in a standalone Craven movie and he would have played Craven himself. So I wonder if during that whole thought process in casting him in that type of role if obviously they would have probably used him in this storyline in Spider-Man 3 right so is Aaron Taylor Johnson going to be our craven of choice moving forward once that does eventually happen that would be really interesting to see you know we already have Venom we already have Morbius coming out um you know, we already know that Michael Keaton is still part of the Holland universe. Um, you know, I do strongly feel that Mysterio is still alive. I don't think he's dead. I think he was just playing. I actually just rewatched Far From Home today as I'm doing my huge rewatch of the entire Spider-Man movie series. Um, and uh, watching that ending there, I mean, for me, it feels like he was acting you know, towards the end there. So I do think he's still around, you know. So, and we we know that we're getting in this new uh, No Way Home, we're getting Doc Ock, we've got Goblin, we got Sandman coming back, we got Electro, right? I don't know if any of these characters will stay within this universe, but it could potentially introduce someone new. So I'm definitely, definitely interested in seeing where this is going to go from here and when they will utilize Craven the Hunter um, in their movie, you know, franchise, because it would be, I would be so elated once they do. Because, like I said, Craven is probably one of my most favorite Spider Man villains out there. Um, and John Watts even said so that, you know, he'd been wanting Craven to be part of his own movies since 2019 when he was thinking about how he's going to plan it out and everything. So I would love to see this happen. Q 
curious if you guys are interested in seeing that happen as well. Uh, if you're huge fans of Spider-Man, I'm pretty sure that would please all of you as well um, if that was to happen. So um, a little bit of um, bummer news, sad news here, something that I read um, in the past week on Twitter, um, something that surprised a lot of people. And it's it's very sad and unfortunate. Um, if you are familiar with George Perez, George Perez is a comic book artist. Uh, he worked on numerous titles in DC and you know the Marvel Universe. He's worked on very iconic storylines, the Infinity Gauntlet series, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, he's worked on Avengers titles, the New Teen Titans, um, Incredible Hulk, Fantastic Four. That's how I first knew him of, uh, was through his Fantastic Four run. But he announced on his Facebook last week that he has been diagnosed with stage 3 pancreatic cancer and he has only 6 months to live according to his doctors and that is very sad and unfortunate news especially when you already know that you have a timeline I in the past a long time ago I had the pleasure of meeting George Perez at you know, a comic book convention back when comic book conventions here in New York were held in hotels um, but I had the pleasure, and he was always very happy, always smiling, always very appreciative of the fan base and, you know, the flock of fans just eager to meet him, um, you know, especially since he, like I said, he was involved in a lot of classic runs in the 80s, um, in comic books of the 80s and all that. A lot of the the original uh, early art that a lot of you may have seen of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, um, the infamous, you know, uh, you know, crisis on Infinite Earths, like the the huge gatefold, the whole uh, two-page spread, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, series, a lot of the imagery from those comic books, from the graphic novel, all that is because of him. George Perez was involved in all of that. Um, you know, his art is hung up in museums that are dedicated to comic book art and all that amongst all of the other greats out there. So it's really, really sad news. Um, and I just really, really hope that he, you know, has the time and lives it in, in peace and as pain-free as possible, spend it with his friends and family. Um, and he has been extremely happy and uh, appreciative and grateful of the huge response on social media uh, once this was announced uh, he's he's been writing letters to his fans and posting it up on social media um, so do yourself a favor if you are a fan of any of these things you know in this pop culture world you know if you're a fan of the movies like the Marvel movies the DC movies if you're a fan of the shows the series um, even if you are a casual comic book reader, go back and pick up one of these um, graphic novels. Do yourself a favor and you know immerse yourself in the art of George Perez because it's very iconic. 
and very uh, classic works of art there. Um, and, you know, you will find yourself to appreciate a lot of that stuff. Uh, and let's just hope, again, George Perez um, enjoys the rest of his life of what he has there. And again, it's another reminder that life is short. You never know what's going to happen. So always count your blessings. Always, you know, appreciate what you have, what you have around you, the people you have in your life, and show it, you know. Talk to a friend, you know. Say hi and and tell your loved ones that you love them and hug them and all that because it, it is sad. And cancer is a bitch, as someone who's had family members go through it and everything, it's no joke. And it could go straight up and fuck itself because it is devastating and it has devastated a lot of lives. Um, and it's kind of crazy that, you know, in this day and age, we still have nothing that can really combat it. You know? So thoughts and prayers go out to Perez and his family there. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure... Ultimately, when that day comes, um, it's going to be an event that fans globally will mourn and we're definitely not looking forward to. So, so yeah, just wanted to share my thoughts on that. Now, before I get back into other things I wanted to talk about, there's no easy transition there. But um, like I mentioned before... um, the, uh, the Talking Talk Pod Showcast is uploaded every week on the Loki Geek YouTube channel. Um, for those of you who are new and watching, um, make sure to you know subscribe if you are liking what you see so far. You know the YouTube channel. I do a lot of movie reviews. You know show recaps. I cover certain pop culture events. Um, in moving into 2022, I have a lot of different programming I have planned up. Uh, I'm just trying to solidify a better schedule for myself uh, that is sustainable. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, aiming to talk more about video games and do some rewatches and revisit certain things from the past and talk about them with all of you. So uh, if you're looking forward to seeing what all that's going to be like, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget for all of you listening or watching, hit that like button. And as I mentioned before, uh, if you are an audio listener and you love podcasts, you can find us, find me on your podcast platform of choice and make sure to follow and download the episodes every week through there. Also, it is the holiday season. And if you are looking for a gift for your favorite coffee drinker in your life, then why not do so with Bulletproof Coffee? Bulletproof Coffee is clean coffee, and you really taste a difference because it is, um, you know, it is done. Uh, they put together these clean, clean beans that they farm through um, Rainforest Alliance certified farms. It goes through this really in-depth process of making sure that all the toxins and chemicals are completely flushed out of their beans before they package them up and ship them out. It is my coffee of choice that I drink on a daily basis. Um, I've never felt so healthy and, you know, energetic drinking coffee. Um, unlike, you know, like I do when I drink Bulletproof coffee. I don't feel heavy. 
The coffee is never acidic tasting, as I'm sure you may have experienced with other brands. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things that I really enjoy drinking on a daily basis. So if this is something that you are interested in trying out for yourself or, again, buying as a gift for somebody else, then um, you can check out the link that I have in the description of this episode. And you can use the discount code LOWKEYGEEK. That's all one word, all in caps, to get yourself 10% off. And this is this offer is available only for the first 15 people who utilize this code. Um, but make sure to secure yourself a nice little discount as you try out Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, and if you do... Let me know what you guys think about it because, like I said, uh, I really, really enjoy it and I love it. Uh, they do offer uh, kind of what they call a starter pack or a variety pack. It's like three of their main coffees. You can get it either um, straight up beans or grounded already for you. Um, and it comes in their three most common um roast so you have like your dark roast your medium roast and you, you know your light everyday usage roast so uh check it out they also have this recipe that uh you can also do where and i know this is going to sound strange to some of you but you brew the coffee and then you put like a uh, slice of butter in it you mix it in and blend it well in and it this is more of like a, a health shake in a way um it is keto friendly and it helps you kind of burn a lot of fats and calories. Uh, it's great to add to your dietary uh, intake on a daily basis there. Um, it kind of tastes like a latte of sorts, you know, like a nice, warm, smooth, buttery latte. Um, so do check it out. The recipe is available on the website as well. And you can buy the special butter that they offer to do that yourself if you just wanted to try it out. So they offer a lot of stuff. They have cold brews and all of that. They do candy bars and protein bars and what have you. They offer a lot of great things there. And I am very, very happy and proud to be partnered up with them. So, and, and, and anytime you use the link and the code, you are supporting the channel here. Um, and this helps the channel, you know, not only sustain, but it helps me um, uh, kind of be able to plan out new programming and continue uh, with my weekly uploads. And it lets Bulletproof know that, hey, Loki Geek, that's a cool partner. And people love us and love him. So, you know, if you utilize if you utilize any of that, I appreciate it and thank you so much for your continued support. All right. So as I mentioned at the top, uh, the AFI, American Film Institute, you know, they have a lot of amazing lists that you could find online like top 100 movies ever made or whatever top action movies you know they are kind of uh, self-deemed as the authoritative movie institute of the united states maybe of the world i don't know but what they do every year is that they announce their top 10 movies of the year so they already released their list last week because um the majority of the movies that have or were planning to release by the end of the year have already be, been screened for a lot of the critics and a lot of the institutes and a lot of the organizations. Um, even though like, you know, regular movie going audiences like yourself, they're like, well, wait a minute. 
Spider-Man didn't come out yet. The Matrix isn't out until next week. You know, how are they already coming up with their top 10? Well, like I said, a lot of these things have already been screened. A lot of critics have already started voting for their top movies of the year for all of their different institutions that they're involved in. Um, so let me run down the list here and I'll give you my quick thoughts on some of these movies. <clears throat> In no particular order, their top 10 movies are one is Coda. Uh, then they have Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tick Tick Boom, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Now, I have watched already half of the movies on this list. Um, the others I have not had a chance to watch because they haven't been out yet, at least for me to view them. I unfortunately am not part of any of these review circles or these critic circles, at least not yet. You know, here's to hoping for the future. Um, again, hence why it is important to grow this community and this channel because it allows me to be able to be considered for things like that. But the ones I haven't watched yet is Licorice Pizza that won't come out until Christmas Day. Um, in a more nationwide release. Right now, you can catch it in some theaters in the big metro cities, um, but I uh, won't be able to see it around until Christmas. Nightmare Alley comes out later this week. I already have my ticket to go check it out. Um, the Tragedy of Macbeth actually is out at the end of the month. This is going to be also available on Apple TV or Apple Plus, I should say. So I am definitely going to watch that because I am definitely curious about that. Uh, and Don't Look Up will be released on Netflix anytime now. I believe this week, if I am not mistaken. Um, but some people have already seen it because it is also available on limited theater release in certain cities around the U.S. So, um, but the movies I have seen, obviously Dune. I have seen Dune and I would probably say that Dune is one of the best action slash sci-fi movies of this year. Without seeing Spider-Man or The Matrix yet, I still think Dune will probably be my top uh, as far as that category of genre is concerned. Um, my review of Dune has been on the channel for a while now. Uh, make sure to check it out if you want to hear my thoughts. But I thought Denis Villeneuve really nailed it on that one. Um, and everyone who was in it was just fantastic. So... No surprise that Dune's on this list. Coda. Coda is one of those movies that aren't isn't talked about enough. I had a chance to watch Coda um, on this preview, online screening preview, right before it hit Apple, Apple Plus. And it really got me in the feels. And just like my feelings I had about Sound of um, Metal last year with Riz Ahmed, it, it is great to see more films and movies that include the deaf community, you know, the those who are hard of hearing. Um, and in a movie that is a very family-centric movie, like a coming-of-age type of movie. Very, very touching movie. I did cry quite a bit throughout it. But it was a very well-done, sweet movie. I really, really recommend it if you have access to Apple+. Plus. Um, I think one of the reasons why it's not talked about enough is because of that. Not a lot of people I know have Apple+. Plus. There are so many streaming um, platforms out there. Uh, Apple+, Plus for a lot of people that I know, is way on the bottom of their list. 
um, and they don't really consider it. So, um, King Richard, which you can still see on HBO Max for now. I did have a chance to watch this, and it is another great touching movie. Uh, I do think Will Smith has a great shot at being nominated for Best Actor. Um, and this is coming from someone who I'm a little tired of Will Smith, to be honest with you. I have a little Will Smith fatigue, let's say, um, because of all the stuff that he's in the news about, you know, him and Jada and, um, you know, like I, I he now he's on this like kind of uh, action uh, docuseries, this adventure docuseries on Disney Plus. Sometimes I don't feel like he's that genuine. You know, I don't know. Like it's 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 hard for me to root for him now because he, I just think he's overexposed. However, what a brilliant performance in this movie. And it's a movie where he's not even full front and center all the time. You know, but the moment that he is on screen, he loses himself into this character and you don't even see Will Smith. You really just see this character that he's portraying. Um, and the movie itself was just a really well done movie. So I really, really recommend this movie as well. Um, Power of the Dog. Oh, my God. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago on Netflix. It is a Netflix movie. This is the reason why Netflix is in the movie business as far as exclusive movies on Netflix platform. Now, yes, we already got several Netflix originals this year, like The Heart of the Fall and um, Tick, Tick, Boom and all that stuff like that. But this is the reason why Netflix is in this movie making business because of movies like this. Jane Campion, who directed this movie, does it again. Really, really well-known, brilliant director. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was phenomenal in his role. Uh, it's a Western, but it's, you know, it, it's a very different style of Western. And it's kind of one of those movies that kind of shows the falseness of masculinity when someone's trying to hide something, a secret. Um, and how it makes them kind of vulnerable and how it affects those around him. Jesse Plemons was so good. It was nice to see Kristen Dunst back, you know, acting in a very, very well done role and movie. Um, just a great, great movie as a whole. Um, I have yet to still put up my review on the channel, but this is one that I am definitely looking forward to putting together because I think this is a great movie. And this is one of the front runners for not only best director, not only best actor in Benedict, but uh, in best movie uh, when we're talking about Oscar race. So look out for this movie. It's definitely, definitely uh, worth watching. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Haven't seen it. I am not even looking forward to seeing it. Why? Because uh, I have a little bit of Lin-Manuel Miranda fatigue. Just like my Will Smith fatigue, I'm a little fatigued with that dude. Yes, In the Heights was fantastic. I had a lot of fun with that movie. But, you know, with all of his stuff and the things that he's working on, like with the Disney stuff and... You know, his his all of his music and everything just sounds very similar nowadays. I, I just feel like 
you could blend them all together and you'll be like, oh, where is this from? That's from that, right? Oh, no, it's from that. Well, they all sound freaking the same. I don't know. But it's like one of those things where once you hear it playing, I'm like, let me guess. That's Lin-Manuel, right? Yeah, it is. Okay. But I'm hearing great things about it. I hear Andrew Garfield is great in this movie. Uh, this is the directorial uh, debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda. So this is the first time he's directing the movie. So I may just watch it because I feel I, I am obligated to because of what I do. Um, but I'm just not forcing myself to, you know. So we'll see. Um, the tragedy, like I said, tragedy of Macbeth. I'm looking forward to that. West Side Story. I watched West Side Story last week. Um, and Spielberg, if he wasn't yet already, he is right now the GOAT as far as movie directors. He, his library, I would say, is now complete. Because now he can add that he's done a Hollywood-style musical and he executed it brilliantly. Now, it's not a musical for everybody, and it does really harken more back to like the old school Hollywood musicals of back in the day. It's a very, very um, well done homage to the original West Side Story. But in his own way, he was able to expand the story to let you, as an audience member, know more about the characters, know more about their situations, know more why certain events are happening throughout the movie. So really, really well done. And breakout stars all across the board. Now, of course, yeah, there's that Ansel Elgort thing that I'm just not going to talk about and all that. But I will say, even controversy aside, he is probably the weakest link in the movie as a whole, For in my opinion. You know, he's just a little bit too one note throughout the whole thing. And he didn't really have like that energy that I was kind of hoping for. You know, I, I, I also just think it's one of those situations where you have all of these brilliant performers that just run circles around him. And he is a pretty decent actor. I mean, I loved him in Baby Driver and I thought he was great in The Fault in Our Stars. But... He just, he couldn't, I felt like he just couldn't keep up with all the brilliant actors and performances that were around him. So, you know, but still, the, the movie as a whole was phenomenal. And, and again, I am working on making sure that my review goes up on the channel soon for that. So, so yeah, so, I mean, a lot of these movies, not a lot of people would be out there clamoring to see uh, i am curious to see how many of these movies you all have seen so let me know in the comments which one of these movies on this list have you seen and what are your thoughts on it and do they deserve to be the top 10 movies of the year like i mentioned before if you really look at this list 90 percent of these movies are all movies that came out within the last two months right coda came out a little earlier um, but everything on here is pretty much movies that most of us haven't even heard about until like a month ago. So it ignores a lot of stuff that's happened earlier in the year. Um, and, you know, not saying that there were a lot of stuff that came out earlier in the year, but there are some notables, you know. Uh, there's no mention of Shang-Chi, which I think was great. No mention of Eternals. But then again, those type of movies hardly get recognition for on these type of lists. But it is surprising to see that dune made it right so if a movie like dune can make it 
where are the mentions for all of these other ones? And I don't know how these lists for the AFI are put together. I'm sure it's all voted upon within the members of the AFI there. I don't know the in-depth details on how this is put together, but when people look at this, they take this very seriously. So definitely curious to hear what your thoughts are on all of that. Last thing uh, I want to talk about is um, last week, towards the end of last week, we were treated with the 2021 Video Game Awards. Um, I've talked about this in the past. Um, it's one of those events that are you know somewhat important for the video game industry, but I honestly don't really consider it to be like how the Oscars are to movies how the Emmys are to TV, and how the Tonys are to Broadway. But they're trying. They're trying to be like that authority in the video game industry, in the video game marketplace, for the main recognition for the top video game outings of that year. I was just very disappointed and upset that the majority of the show was a lot of promotions, a lot of trailers, you know, a lot of other studios promoting their upcoming titles and all that. It felt like an E3 show. You know, when we already have a dedicated time for that during E3 or an online version of that every year. So I feel like I it would have been it would be nice to see them in the future cut most of that stuff out. You don't see it during Oscars studios promoting movies that are coming out in the next year or two. You know, you don't see the Emmys doing that for upcoming shows. You don't see the Tonys, you know, saying, oh, check out this, you know, musical number for a show that's not going to be out until two years. You don't see that happening. You know, so it's a little, you know, annoying and, and, and bothersome that they are doing that. I guess it's, you know, it's paid promotion, right? So it helps the the awards kind of fund themselves and, and, you know, keep that show running. Um, but I will say that two things that were dropped during their promotions and presentations that was actually very exciting to see. And we got a surprise glimpse at a new Star Wars video game that is being worked on called Star Wars Eclipse. And it's just a cinematic and I'll, I'll say this, look, I don't understand why people get so excited and put so much focus and attention when a trailer is, is released. That's just all cinematics. I mean, that's not the game, right? I mean, these are like just things to help tease the game. These are things that help intro a game. I don't get excited until I see actual gameplay footage. You know, I mean... We have already been seeing trailers for that freaking Gollum Lord of the Rings game for like three or four years. We have yet to see any gameplay footage. That worries me. That doesn't make me excited for the game coming out, right? We finally got to see some gameplay footage for the Suicide Squad that they've been working on. So that's exciting. You know, so I will, you know, preface by saying like cinematics, I don't no longer get excited for those and I no longer really want to talk about it. But this is Star Wars. I'm sorry. You know, this is Star Wars. I am a little biased when it comes to Star Wars. Um, and it looks 
interesting. It really does. I still really don't know what the game's going to be like. I think it's unfortunately going to be another open world, blah, 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 blah. Why is everything open world these days? You know, just give me a nice, you know, storyline on rails, point A to point B. That's all I need. You know, as long as the story is amazing and you introduce me to really, really interesting and fun characters, then yeah, I'm all on board. But keeping things open world, uh, it's just too much to do and my my own like you know need to collect everything gets in the way man like i don't want to collect all these freaking patches in hopes to get a great lightsaber or uh collect all of these rocks so that maybe i can get myself a a cool piece of armor or what have you you know like i'm just so i had it with a lot of that stuff but regardless of the fact, you know, the storyline is is being taking place in the High Republic area um, era. And I know, you know, Disney and Lucas, they have been really focusing and pushing this High Republic for a while now, ever since it was announced. So tons of books have already been released, comic books. Um, you know, they really, really are trying to push heavy the early days of the Jedi and the Sith, especially when the Sith was first, you know, formed and all that stuff like that. So it's really, really cool to see them pushing that onto video game form as well. Um, it looks like we might be introduced to a lot of new worlds, a lot of new, you know, species and characters. So really, really interesting to see what's going to happen there. Um, and it's, it's just exciting to see that we are going to be getting a new Star Wars game. Um, we were also teased with a new Wonder Woman game that none of us really were aware of until now. Um, so it's nice that DC is finally getting into uh, DC and Warner Brothers, that they're finally doing more video games. You know, I miss the days when they used to do a lot of movie and video game tie-ins because those were so well done, in my opinion. So it's nice to see that we're getting a Wonder Woman game and it's again another open world game. Yay. So I'm excited about that, I guess. Um, but then we were teased with the new Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer. If you you know been watching me or following me for a while, I was pleasantly surprised with the first Sonic movie. A movie I did not want to watch at all. But I was, you know, recommended it time and time again and I finally gave it a shot and I was happy I watched it because it was extremely well done. Jim Carrey is back in form, you know, just like how he was back in the day. He is a Jim Carrey that we missed playing Dr. Robotnik there, you know, and just the portrayal of Sonic was just so genuine and, and really close to form and the chemistry with everyone was really well done. It was refreshing to see a nice video game adaptation that actually worked and now it looks like we're going to get a lot more of that you know now we have tails joining in on the mix that was teased already at the end of the first movie and we got our first glimpse of knuckles who's voiced by idris elba but it looks like they are carrying on and continuing with the same type of style that we saw in the first movie and just looks great and i hope they nail it because Again, it's just going to, it'll be great to see a nice 
a series of movies that are considered to be really good video game adaptations. And I think, you know, if they could knock it out of the park with the second one, then they're well there and solidified it. So, so yeah. So as far as like things that were dropped during the, the show, those are just some things I wanted to talk about. But let's talk about the main award here. So there's two. You know, they have a lot of different other categories that I'm just not going to bother to talk about. What really matters is Game of the Year and Player's Voice, which is kind of like their player's choice of the year. So the Game of the Year nominations, you had Deathloop, which was a PS5 uh, PlayStation exclusive title. It Takes Two, uh, a very well-known co-op game that actually surprised a lot of people when it came out earlier in the year. Metroid Dread, the only Nintendo offering that is worth talking about, in my opinion, of all of this year. Psychonauts 2, uh, a long-awaited sequel to the Xbox Classic back in the day. Uh, And from Double Fine Studios, if you are a fan of those like I am, of their releases. Uh, Huge, huge fan of them there. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which is probably considered to be one of the very few actual next-gen titles that we got this year. And Resident Evil Village, one of the the latest um, uh, installments of the famous Resident Evil franchise that actually was done really well. So the winner, and I think kind of surprising, uh, but not, not that surprising, is was It Takes Two. It Takes Two won uh, the prize there for Game of the Year at the Game Awards. So I wonder if Take-Two Interactive is is planning to also try to claim ownership of that title. Uh, (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, a really silly article I read that it sounds like Take-Two, the parent company of Rockstar, is suing uh, these guys uh, because they think that their title is too uh, similar to the company name uh, Take-Two, which I think is just horseshit, but whatever. It's just one of those things, right? But the reason why It Takes Two is surprising and not surprising is because It Takes Two was not really like... uh, I would would consider this not to be really like a a main AAA title. It was a title that wasn't even really talked about a lot throughout the year, but when it came out, a lot of people were kind of talking about it. And it was one of those great co-op games that you would see, obviously, streamers play on, on Twitch and on YouTube, what have you, and Facebook. Is there Facebook gaming still around? Um, I don't even know anymore. But, um, And, you know, it, it had a lot of great uh, problem-solving and puzzle-solving um, moments there and everything. I have never played it because I don't really play a lot of co-op games because I have a lot of friends who are just busy, you know? And I don't like playing with random randos online because, ugh, well, let's not even talk about that. But the reason why I also think it's not surprising is because, again, it's an innovative game that utilizes the whole co-op system and takes it to a next level. You know, the reason why games like Metroid Dread, Psychonauts, Ratchet and Clank, Resident Evil. The reason why games like that are great, but not probably considered to be the best, is because there's not that much innovativeness when it comes to those games. 
most of those games are enjoyed just by one person and as a single player uh, experience. It takes two, you know, basically introduce something that the gaming world misses uh, and doesn't really have a lot of um, is co-op involving other people involving that social interaction while you're gaming that's one of the reasons why among us was so huge when it first came out right um death loop had that in a bit because you could have someone that actually will jump into your game and all that but it's not again you're not working in conjunction with each other you're not working together to solve things so Again, not surprising because I feel like those type of games have huge recognition across the industry. Um, and it, it's harder to come up with these interactive type games where you are involving more than one person in a unique experience. Um, so when someone really nails it, I think that's one of the reasons why something like this will take the cake because... You know, it, it's hard enough to come up with a concept that's unique and different that no one's done before. But it's also very hard to to nail it to a point where it's like, wow, you could do that. You know, we never thought of that before and proves to be fun. You know, I would love to try it and I hope to try it myself sometime soon. But so, yeah, so it takes two, one game of the year there. Players voice winner. Again, this is voted upon, um, you know, people like you and I. We could have just gone there and voted ourselves. I don't know if you could vote multiple times. But to no surprise to me, it's Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite won the top award there because there is a rabid fan base for Halo. Always have been. And Halo has been one of the most anticipated games, especially on a next-gen platform, for as long as I can remember. And, you know, it finally came out last week. I even had a chance to play it for a little bit. And I haven't played a Halo game in years. I couldn't even remember the last time I played a Halo game. And just within the first hour, it made me remember playing Halo back in the day. And it rem reminded me of how much fun I used to have playing the Halo games. Uh, it makes me now want to dive into the multiplayer and play with some of my friends I used to play Halo, Halo with back in the day. And I hope to do that again soon. Um, so no big surprise there. But I do feel like, you know, again, when every time you're inviting the audience to vote on something, there's going to be a tons of bias and tons of, you know, fanboyism in there. Whether or not it's the best game of the year is debatable. Again, I'm just maybe two hours into the campaign and I haven't even played multiplayer yet, but tons of people are praising the multiplayer saying it's, you know, they finally brought the Halo multiplayer experience back after all these years and people who haven't been, you know, playing multiplayer games are now, you know, dying and eager to get back into it because of this after playing that. So, um, I'll find out for myself soon. But yeah, Halo Infinite is your player's voice winner at the Video Game Awards of 2021. So, let me know what you guys think about all of that. Um, did you have a chance to watch the show yourself? You know, do you agree with some of the comments I had? You know, what are your thoughts on some of the winners there? 
Um, but with all that said and done, that is the show and the episode for this week. Um, once again, I thank you all for tuning in. Those of you returning, I always appreciate you guys and girls watching and listening on a weekly basis. Again, don't forget to hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. For audio listeners, don't forget to check out the Loki Geek channel on your podcast platform of choice. Follow and download the episodes every week. It really, really, really helps support the channel and helps support in growing the community so that more people like Bulletproof Coffee. Again, you can get 10% off by using the discount code LOWKEYGEEK in the description of this episode. So don't forget to check them out. Um, a lot of you are starting your weeks off. Whether, whenever you're watching this and you happen to be maybe a little depressed, stressed out, make sure to take some time for yourself. Read a favorite book. Play your favorite game. Watch a favorite movie. Call a friend or talk to a family member. Give yourself some time to unwind because there's nothing more important than your own mental health. Uh, uh, we all are suffering through it one way or another every week so it is really important to pay attention to that and pay attention to yourself and give yourself the proper time to uh, recoup and unwind after a busy day or a busy week and as always make sure you stay cool stay classy and stay safe and i will catch all of you guys and gals next time all right y'all peace peace